Good morning again, everybody. Lots of stuff happening in the, in the Hillside family this morning, and, and uh, wanted to mention a couple other things before, and we're just going to pray before we get into our message today. Um, family news, uh, two of our members lost parents this last week. Uh, Vincey Benjamin's um, mother passed away about a week ago or so, and just on Friday, Stan Popma's uh, father, Bill, passed away. Uh, he was not doing great, and, uh, and then had a sudden turn, and so we're, we're with you uh, as you grieve at this loss, both Vincey and, and Stan. We uh, are, have been praying for you. Um, as I was praying about uh, what to pray this morning for Stan and for uh, Vincey and for the rest of us, I think many of us have been impacted this week by the violence in our world. Um, you uh, certainly continue to be troubled by the things that are happening overseas, but I uh, think of uh, the school violence in Texas that has rocked a lot of people, and, and uh, we want to uh, be praying. And, and just these words came to mind. So just if you want to close your eyes and bow your hearts before God, this is what he gave me. It's very simple. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. God, in the midst of losses that we experience, think especially of Stan and Vincy today and their families. You speak that you're there, you're near, you care. We pray you would show them that these days. They would experience your love, your tenderness, your compassion in the midst of their mourning. And Father, uh, in the midst of the, the brokenness that we see around us in the world, the evils that we see, um, the terror sometimes that we see, when the unthinkable happens, we look up to you. And you remind us that you're still God. And uh, even in those moments, even in, those, in, the, in the brokenness, Lord, you haven't abandoned this project, the world. You haven't said enough. You sent your son. Uh, you actually showed us the way of self-sacrifice and love. And uh, we pray today, God, that we might um, continue to have you as our hope. And that uh, we might be agents of change in our world. Lord, you might use us to, to be your hands of compassion. Uh, Lord, people would be cared for uh, through us, we pray. Now center our thoughts and give us faith, uh, I pray, as we uh, consider what you want to do in us. Pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're starting a, a three-week series. This is a short little series this morning called Uncontainable. And uh, we're going to begin with a little Jesus story that we find in Luke chapter 5, verses 4 to 7. It's a great little story. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you've got a device, you probably have a, a, a scripture uh, app on there. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 4 to 7 is where we're going to begin. And it reads this. When he, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night, and we have not caught anything. But because you say so, 
I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. May God bless the reading of his word. Let, let me ask you, when is the last time that God did something in your life that can only be explained as God? Was it yesterday? Was it last week? Was it last month? Was it last year? You know, I'd say if it's been a long time since we've seen God's activity in our lives in such a way that we know it was God, I wonder, are we actually seeking that? Are we actually looking for that? Are we trusting God to a level that requires our faith? Are we risking enough for God to show himself? I don't know about you, but I've got this growing longing in my spirit to see God do something unexplainable, uncontrollable, uncontainable in my life, in this, in this community, and in the community around us, in our neighborhood. I, I think this passage in Luke chapter 5 gives us a picture of what God wants to do actually in all of our lives. The disciples They'd been fishing all night and had not caught a thing. Some of you who fished know exactly what this feels like. Jesus told them to move the boats and try again. I'm sure these professional fishermen were really excited about getting you know, fishing tips from Jesus, the non-fishermen, right? But Peter was obedient. He said, because you said so. And they go out, they let down their nets, and it says they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. <laughs> they actually had to signal another boat to come over and help them because the hall was so big. And it says both boats were so filled, the nets were so filled that, that they began to sink, the boats. Here's my take on that passage. Jesus did something uncontainable. They hadn't caught a single fish all night, and then they caught more fish than the boats could contain. That's a picture, and I think it's actually a promise of the kind of thing of what God, I believe, wants to do in our lives. He wants to bless us more deeply and profoundly than we can actually handle, than we can actually contain. So 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus ascended into heaven. We were reminded by Kevin that, that today is kind of Ascension Sunday, or on Thursday, the church worldwide often has remembered that that was the day when Jesus, 40 days after his resurrection, ascended to, to heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father where he has all power, glory, and honor bestowed upon him. It's such a good news. But before he left, he gave his disciples some pretty simple and practical instructions. He said this, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the disciples spent the next 10 days seeking God. Acts 1.14 says they were together constantly in prayer. And then Acts 2, chapter 2, is, is actually kind of day 10 of the prayer meeting. And verse 1 of, of Acts 2 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire 
that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled. Let me make an observation. The day of Pentecost was totally unplanned. It's not like the disciples woke up on the day of Pentecost and and said, I I feel like speaking in tongues today. (laughs) They actually had no category for what was about to happen. It's not like they made an appointment to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, Peter had not prepared a sermon. The baptismal tank had not been filled. I'm not sure how the day started, but I'm sure the disciples probably got up. You know, they, they, they took a shower. They, they, you know, brushed their teeth like every day. They got, they got dressed. They ate a bowl of shreddies, imagine. They, they read the morning paper. Then they met for prayer. The day started like any other day. I, I don't think they had any idea that the Holy Spirit would literally rock their house that day. And there's no way they could have actually pulled this off on their own. They couldn't have orchestrated what happened. Here's the thing. You cannot plan Pentecost. But if you wait and pray for 10 days, God, things are bound to happen. Here's my thought. What if, what if we, what if us, what if we actually did what they did in the Bible? You know, what if, what if we fasted and prayed for like seven or eight or 10 days, whatever it might be? That's what we've been talking about these last weeks. What if we sought God with the same kind of intensity and, and tenacity that we saw in the early church. That's what this series is about. It's really about seeking God and believing God and waiting for God. Now, there's part of us, uh, honestly, that crave predictability. Some of us are predictability addicts. And like COVID was like your, God was leading you through a recovery program from predictability, I think. That's just my thought. And the, pro- the problem is, is if everything is predictable, life gets pretty monotonous and mundane, right? Predictability tends to equal boredom. Some of the best things in life are unplanned. Haven't you found that? Um, my family can tell you this, that I love planning holidays. Like, I really love it. Figuring out, you know, where we're going to go next, what we're going to do, what we're going to see, where we're going to stay, all that kind of stuff, the logistics. I think of when we did a, a family trip to Sri Lanka a few years ago. We'd, I'd planned, mostly, we'd planned together uh, a very structured itinerary, you know, uh, using the Lonely Planet Guide, of course, and then family, extended family who gave us wisdom on where to go. And, and during part of our trip, we'd planned a few days in the south of the country. Sri Lanka's beautiful, by the way, just gorgeous. And, and the south has the best beaches. Uh, it's known for that. And I, I'd planned a day trip for us to visit the, the city of Gaul, which is this renowned city for its world charm, its, its history, its architecture, its, its churches. We planned a, a full day of activity, seeing all the sights. But partway through the day, we got interrupted by this massive storm. I mean, it rained, basically. And, and we're outside, and we're thinking, we got to get in fast, because it's, it's not like a Vancouver rain, where it dribbles, you know, or mists, or whatever we, we get here. This was a you know, moments, your moments in the rain and you're soaked to the skin. It's that kind of rain. And so the only place that looked like we could maybe find refuge was this little, what, what I'd call a corner store slash cafe. It was really somebody's home with a little sign in front of it. And we just like dashed in there, the four of us. And it was truly narrow. And uh, if you can imagine 
um, one little incandescent bulb kind of hanging from the ceiling, and it was clear that the owners, their family, the house was behind, and they had this just this little room that was a store slash cafe. And so I knew we had to buy something, so I bought sodas for everybody, and we stood there drinking, uh, you know, our, our bottles with our straws, and um, it's pouring outside. The, the, the rain is not letting up, and so we're dragging this out a little bit. Um, just standing off by the side. We're the only ones in this little store, and you can see the family kind of getting, they, they seem nervous about us, you know? And so they actually, maybe they're only nervous about me. <laughs> the rest of my family looked Sri Lankan. They're like, who's the big white guy? I think that's what it came down to. <laughs> they, they, uh, they kind of actually left us alone and went to the back of the house so we couldn't see them anymore. And it just went on for 20 minutes, and we're still standing there. And they actually came back. A little boy came back into the room, and he actually flicked the light off. <laughs> so suddenly we're in this like, little room, and it's like there's no windows at the front. We're suddenly in the dark. And you know the funniest thing is we actually still didn't leave. <laughs> we stood there waiting in the dark. We waited them out. <laughs> It was awesome. Now, now, in that trip that we made as a family to Gaul, can you guess what was our most treasured family memory? We saw a lot of great sights that day, but nothing trumped our unplanned experience of being caught in a rainstorm in this little tiny store. The highlight was totally unplanned. Because you know why? You cannot plan a rainstorm. But that rainstorm caused just about as much joy as the rest of the day combined. Here's my point. Some of the best things in life are unplanned and, and unscripted. And, and folks, that isn't just true relationally and recreationally. It's true spiritually. Part of us wants to, to, to have everything, our, our journey with God, all scripted out. But that is not the way that God works and here's, here's the, I'd say, the mistake that many of us make. We focus all of our energies on telling God what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. Another thought, what if instead of spending all our energy, energy trying to make plans for God, we spent that energy seeking God, listening to God, asking God? Funny enough, that's the prescription for anxiety that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 6. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. He goes on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first, right? Too many of us try to figure things out first, and then we seek God. But if we seek God first, then everything else works itself out. Jesus promised, all these things will be added unto you as well. Now, when you read Acts 2, you realize that that God couldn't have scripted things any better than he did. The Holy Spirit comes, and the disciples start speaking in tongues. The significance of that is this. This happens on the day of Pentecost, when, when one of the, it was one of the three pilgrim feasts when Jews from around the ancient world would travel to Jerusalem. And these disciples start speaking in all these visiting Jews in their, in, in their native tongues. And we're told that about 3,000 of these pilgrims came to Jesus that day. And they were baptized. And, and over time, as they became disciples of Christ, they were mobilized into an army of, of global workers. 
that God would then send back to faraway places, to their homes, where they would spread the news of Jesus. Isn't that cool? This is the thought. Maybe we should stop trying to plan things for God. Maybe we should stick to prayer and let God handle logistics, the, the when, the where, and the how. I mean, folks, God is an amazing event coordinator. Now, just to clarify, I'm all for planning. You know, failing to plan is planning to fail, they say, right? And Jesus actually talked about planning. He talked about counting the cost before he did something significant. And, and if you were to read the book of Proverbs, it actually holds up planning as a virtue. It's helpful for us as a church, as a community, to plan for the future, to plan actually, hey, we don't want our one day our building to literally collapse in on itself. It's great to plan to, to renovate and to actually have a functional and flourishing facility, right? That, that's good to plan that way. I think of our, our strategic visioning process where we go, where do we want to be in five or ten years as a community? We've been doing that and thinking, putting a lot of energy into that. But there are some things you can't plan. Miracles fall into that category. Do they not? Right? And by the way, this series that we're in is not about seeking miraculous answers to prayer. It's about seeking God. But when we seek God, it, it seems to put us into a space and a frame of mind where, where miracles tend to happen. Simply put, seeking God increases our expectations. Um, fascinating scripture to read is John chapter 17. It's lovely. It's the record of Jesus' prayer to, to the Father for his disciples and ultimately for us. And, and one of the things he prays, one of his requests was this, sanctify them by your truth. That's God's heart for us, to, to sanctify us. God wants to sanctify every part of you. The word sanctify means to set apart for his purposes. And so God wants to to sanctify your motivation, your motives, so that what you do, what you do, for the right reasons. He wants to sanctify your imagination, so that you dream, God dreams. He wants to to sanctify your experiences, so that God can use them for His purposes. He wants to sanctify your education. He wants to sanctify your your talents and, and your abilities and your hobbies and your recreation. He wants to sanctify even your competitive streak. Not mentioning any names. And he wants to sanctify your expectations and set them apart for God's purposes. I, I wonder if there's any dimension of sanctification more overlooked or underestimated than sanctified expectations. Here's what I know for sure. The early believers had sanctified expectations. They couldn't wait to see what God was going to do next. Acts 2.43 gives us a glimpse of the way these early believers operated. It says, they were filled with awe. Mouth-dropping awe. And here's what happens when we seek God. God gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Let, let me make a, a simple observation that I think has profound you know, implications. How big something is, or how big something looks, isn't related to how big it really is. It also depends on how far away you are, right? Our perception of things depends on our, our distance from them, right? 
For example, I've told some of you this story before, how, how when I was 17 years old, I attended my first big concert, you know, Phil Collins. Uh, it was a Phil concert, it was uh, held at the outdoor stadium in what the Blue Jays used to play down in the, the harbor of Toronto. And I was so excited. I'd spent a whole $18. Remember when you could see a superstar concert for 18 bucks? Turns out that actually only got me a, a, a seat in the nosebleed section. I was literally second row from the very, 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 very back. And from up there, uh, you know, Phil Collins, world superstar at the time, did not seem so big. Phil actually seemed like a little dance, a little ant dancing around on the stage. <laughs> and even the video, he, he didn't look much bigger. He was tiny. We were so far away from Phil that Phil seemed pretty unimpressive to me. Now, if we'd been in the front row, it would have been a totally different story. I'm pretty sure we would have been in awe. Why? Because size isn't the only factor that determines how we perceive things. Distance is a huge factor. Here, here's my point. God is so great. God is so huge. But some of us have maybe gotten some distance from God. And so we've actually become unimpressed with him. Our, our problems, they've grown to be so big. And, and our God seems so small. Or maybe even our God seems irrelevant to our situation. Why? Frankly, because we're sitting in the cheap seats. Let me tell you what sin does. Isaiah 59, it's a verse I learned as a new Christian years ago. Our sin separates us from our God. You could put it this way, our sin creates a distance from us and God. In other words, it takes us further and further away from God until we're in the last row. And God up there, when we're up there, God seems smaller and smaller as we get further away from him. And I want to tell you, sanctification does the exact opposite. It brings us closer and closer to God so that he becomes bigger and bigger. And you know what's really good? God has a front row seat reserved for every one of us. Isn't that great? Love it. I've shared this before, but at the end of, of Prince Caspian, a good C.S. Lewis, one of his Narnia books, um, there's an interesting exchange. The children who have come back to Narnia, they haven't seen Aslan. Aslan, who, who really is this great lion, but he portray, he's really the Jesus figure in the story. And they hadn't seen him in a long time, and the girls say, Aslan, you're bigger. <laughs> and he says, that's because you're older, little one. She says, not because you're bigger. Aslan says, I am not, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. So it is with our relationship with God. The more we grow, the bigger God gets. The bigger God gets, it means we stop kind of pigeonholing God. <laughs> like, we realize we're, we're not in charge. He's so great. Like, how could we be in charge of God, right? We stop measuring. We stop bringing God down to our level or putting him into our, our kind of neat little boxes that we might have. Psalm 34, we started the service with this morning. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. This is what this is about. It's, it's about magnifying God. It, it's about seeking God so God gets bigger and the, and the rest of life, the rest of our problem, all that gains perspective. Our, our problems get smaller. Our, our, our challenges find purpose. And the impossible can even become to seem logical. 
I like how uh, the famous Canadian preacher once put it, A.W. Tozer, he said that a low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils. A high view of God is the solution to 10,000 temporal problems. So how do we do this? How do we seek God? The Old Testament Hosea gives us, I think, a clue. In Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, he says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unfallowed, unplowed ground. He's, he's talking of all this agricultural metaphor, which would have been really relevant to their society in that day. What is unplowed ground? Unplowed ground is ground that's been ignored. The, the surface has gotten hard, and actually nothing can be planted easily, that is, in unplowed ground. Nothing grows through the surface. It won't break through. So Hosea continues in that line, the very next line. It says, it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Here again is the theme. We cannot control the rain, but we can prepare the soil. You hear that? We cannot control the rain, but we can prepare the soil. I'm afraid too many of us worry about rain instead of preparing the soil. Our job is to prepare the, the soil and seek God until it rains. So here's the question. Where has the soil of your heart been hardened? Good question to ask, actually. The key to that question is this. Where have you lost hope? Or where have you lost joy? What have you maybe stopped thinking about because it's too painful? What have you stopped praying about because it's too unbelievable? Get at that and you'll know where to plow. Our, our, our job is to prepare our minds and our, our spirits, uh, our, our hearts for a miracle. We do that by kind of surrendering to God, by consecrating ourselves to God. We seek him, and we believe that in his timing, he will actually show up, that he'll reveal himself. The last thing we want to do is manufacture God stories. <laughs> Orchestrate answers to prayer. That's what Abraham did. He got tired of waiting, and he decided to, to help God along by sleeping with Hagar and manufacturing Ishmael. As we walk through this series and as we, you know, seek God, I believe some God stories are going to happen. But this series is really about identifying what we are seeking and asking and believing God for. And I'm actually suggesting, not suggesting that you just kind of pick that out of a hat. What's your latest desire of the month? I'm suggesting you actually seek God and allow the Spirit of God to reveal what He wants you to believe Him for. It may be that someone who you know is far from God, and, and you're praying that they would have a God encounter. Wouldn't that be good? It may be a physical healing. It may be the resolution of a, a situation that seems impossible, a reconciliation perhaps. It may be a dream that has gathered dust. It may be an addiction in your life that just frankly seems unbreakable. I don't know what it is, but the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you as you actually seek God. He's gracious that way. What are we asking and believing God for? I know one of the things we're asking and believing God for as a congregation is, God, we're so out of our depths on this one. Would you provide? 
We, we actually literally are praying that God would supernaturally provide for this BWAM project. I, I, I know we're, more importantly than that, we're seeking and praying and believing that God would revitalize our faith. You know, that where we've got cool, where we've gotten distant, where we've settled for actually sitting in this cheap seats and we've been okay with that, that God would stir us up, that God would draw us in. We're, you know, I'd rather move to a mall and do church there than, than be in a nice building and not know God, folks, frankly. That's what we're about here. We want to know God. We want to actually have a faith that's alive and real. We're praying that. For each of us, maybe we could actually view this whole process as an experiment. Here's the beautiful thing about experiments. With experiments, you kind of expect to have some failures mixed in with successes, right? It's an experiment. But the key is kind of learning along the way. But it gives us the freedom to fail. I, I think some of us are, are so afraid of disappointment that we don't believe God for anything anymore. It's safer, it's easier, but that isn't how God wants us to live. In the words of Oswald Chambers, he said, if you will give the, God the right to yourself, he will make a holy experiment of you. Isn't that cool? Now, as we've announced several times now, next week is Pentecost Sunday, and this last Thursday, some of us joined in this 10-day journey, and if you haven't joined in, I, I don't want you to feel like you missed out. Because actually what I found is that God always honors any step that we make towards him. So if you decide, I'm going to do a one-day fast, I'm going to pray some more than I, I'm going to add prayer to my life this week, God would honor that. But we're, we're inviting you to consider kind of sincerely and intentionally and maybe uh, in, a, in a way you haven't put energy towards in a long, long time to, to actually join in on this 10-day experiment. We've set these days apart. Um, this Friday, as I said, after the service today, we're going to pray. That's part of the journey. And I have no idea what God is going to do during this week of prayer and fasting, but that's precisely the point. <laughs> it's about seeking him and allowing him to pull off another Pentecost if he so chooses. As I mentioned last week, this is how I'm approaching these days. I've decided to fast from, from television, from YouTube, from watching stuff on screen for 10 days. And then over the course of these 10 days, practicing several 24-hour fasts, not eating from sundown to sundown. So starting your fast after dinner one day and then ending your fast at dinner the next day. Now, I really enjoy TV. I really enjoy food. But I want to set these days aside with the intention of focusing on God. Now, this, this can look different for you. Fasting is only limited by your creativity. You can fast social media, you can fast food, you can have a, a liquid-only fast, you can fast a hobby, you can fast from a workout. Imagine that. Fasting is simply giving something up for a set period of time and using that time to seek God. And, and I'd suggest you don't want to just go without food uh, and not pray. I've sometimes done that where I've fasted, but I've been so busy in my life that I actually didn't pray. That just is like starvation. That's what that is. It's not, not wise. I, you, you want to add prayer to your diet. You want to add scripture to your diet. You want to add worship to your diet. You feed your spirit while you starve your flesh. So start starving your flesh and start feeding your spirit. It seems like a cliche to say God is up to something. 
But again, I believe God is up to something in this church and in your lives. We're praying that way. We're praying like mad that God would do an incredible work in you. And so why don't we, and it's going to be something I think that is beyond a scope that we can imagine. And I hope that doesn't pronounce, produce an ounce of pride in any of us. I hope it drives us to our knees to seek God with greater intensity. Would you join me? Would you, can we pray together just to conclude? Lord, we pray this morning, I pray that you would do unplanned and unprecedented and uncontainable things in our lives. And, and Father, this morning, if there's distance that's come between us, if, we're, if we've settled somehow for the cheap seats, um, if, if you truly are, are kind of just a last consideration in our lives, Lord, forgive us. Oh, Lord, we're, we're sorry about that, we pray. Would you do a work reviving us? Help us to get our eyes back on you. Help us to become those who magnify your name and give glory to you, God, to seek you with all our hearts. And God, I believe that everything that <laughs> traces back to prayer and I believe that the prayers that we pray during these days and weeks may well chart the course of our lives and this church for the next five or 10 or 20 years. I pray you would guide us by your spirit, we pray, as the disciples asked of Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. We're just going to have a, a short closing song and uh, worship together.